Welcome to the Free Birth Podcast, a supportive space for people who are learning, exploring, and celebrating their autonomous choices in childbirth. Together, we'll unpack truths, share personal stories, and claim our ability to birth freely and intuitively. Here's your host, Emily Saldea. quick announcement here. In honor of all of the free birth babies that have been born in our new membership this past month, we are giving our complete guide to free birth online course away at half price through the end of the year. If you've been curious about our take on radical childbirth education, go check it out at freebirthsociety.com. This week, we have Emily a beautiful woman from New Zealand who settled with her partner in Portugal, where she now lives off the grid. Emily shares the journey of following her truth and birthing her son alone with just her partner and the story of her daughter's birth, who was a surprise breach. Well, so I was trying to work out when when I made the decision to free birth and it was like, there were were so many, I was like, Oh, maybe it started here or maybe it started at this point. But I realized it started like way back with my parents and it Mm. was like who I was always going to be really. Um, Like with, with my mum, she's like so naturally inclined. She always, you know, she had all three of us like vaginal hospital births and I was like the first posterior forceps my sister was like a footling breach with a nuchal cord, you know, kind of scary things. But my mum and my dad, neither of them ever made birth seem like dangerous or scary. And my mum always said, you know, the pain goes away as soon as the baby is born. <laughs> so that sort of just like, you know, that sort of natural mindedness from my mum. Mm-hmm. And also she's very open minded to like new ideas. And I think that kind of rubs off on me as well. Nice. Like, yeah, that makes a huge know. difference. Yeah. And then, and then from my, from my dad, I guess he's like, um, he can be quite skeptical about things like always researching things to draw his own conclusion rather than doing what everyone else is doing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that plays a part too. And also being like quite, quite stubborn. Well, my husband would probably say that's my most challenging <laughs> trait. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I can, <laughs> I think, yeah, for sure. Just sticking with the decision to free birth, you've got to be quite quite stubborn I suppose yeah mm-hmm. totally yeah. or another word we could use is committed <laughs> yeah committed that's a, that's a more um, PC word <laughs> um yeah and then I've always I've always had a passion for cho- children like I always knew I wanted to have kids like as a teenager I'd babysit and but then I at, when I was 17 I became a nanny for like four children later five and then I just developed a passion, like an intense passion for anything child related. So like I knew I didn't want to have kids straight away, but I wanted to make, you know, the most of that time I had before I did have kids to learn as much as I could and have, you know, those like experiences that would help me to be the parent I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. And um, like when my husband and I got together when we were 18, I like 18 year old teenagers I asked if he wanted to have kids someday it was like you know for me it was important that I knew that we were heading in the same direction of course I wish more people talked about that on the first date 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um but fortunately he knew for sure that he did. He was yeah. So it was yeah, it was nice to know that we had the same eventual goals, even uh-huh. if we both knew we didn't want them just yet. <laughs> um and then yeah, later on I guess um I worked as a nanny for another family with four children and then I my degree was in psychology, doing like minoring in uh child development and education. And then, like, in my spare time, I would just, like, browse online all about anything to do with children. It would, like, always catch my attention. Mm. And um, at some point, I realized, what was it? I realized that I was confident for once I had children, but I'd never actually looked into birth itself. Mm-hmm. And so I went into that kind of, you know, pretty open-minded. I didn't, I didn't know anyone who'd ever had a home birth. So, like when I went into it, I thought, you know, induction, it seems, you know, that seems convenient. And epidural seems like a great way to take the pain away. So I didn't, yeah, I wasn't inclined one way or another, but it didn't take me long to, you know, just studying the research and reading testimonials to come to the conclusion that I wanted to have a home water birth. Mm. And you were, you were figuring this out prior to your pregnancy? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, this was like probably two or three years before I got pregnant I love that that's so cool um yeah (laughs) I I still kind of feel like it was a bit weird like just because no nobody else sort of does that oh I do (laughs) yeah good yeah yeah (laughs) absolutely and you know I think that this is my hope my prayer is that women who have not yet uh, been pregnant or, or with a pregnancy that, you know, they're going to keep or whatever, that they do start to think about this stuff years before, because you are destined to have a better birth. If you give this time to marinate and to really figure out what is authentic for you. I mean, yeah, it is, I would say it is unusual for women, you know, like you and I, but at the same time, it it actually needs to be more common because I'm very confident we will see more conscious conceptions and more intentional, um, you know, women birthing in power. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I, yeah, I totally agree with you. Yeah. So we can be weird together. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Brilliant. <laughs> um yeah, but it was still yeah, so I wanted a home water birth, but still with um a midwife. I'd never heard of free birth at this point. Um and in, in New Zealand it's it's free. Like all birth anything related to birth is free, whether it's in a hospital, at a birth uh-huh. centre, at home. So I was yeah, I just thought right, that's what's going to happen. And then I just kind of ignored it for, you know, <laughs> until I, until I got pregnant, I guess, which, so I'll bring you to that. Um, my first, uh, pregnancy, it was, when was it? It was the morning after our wedding, we were just sitting down eating breakfast and my husband asked when I wanted to have, start having children. Oh my gosh. That's so yeah. cute. He's like, now that I've got you wet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, maybe in about, you know, 12 months from now, I'd I'd come off the pill about six weeks earlier. And I wanted mm. to give my cycle just a year to regulate and fully understand, you know, my, you know, my own sort of cycle. And um, so, yeah, so it would also, because <laughs> I guess at the time, we were, we'd been traveling around Europe, and we'd decided to buy land in Portugal and live off grid. Mm. So we'd, We'd come home for our wedding in Fiji, and we were going back Wait, you to. You got married in Fiji. Yes, yeah. How so we fun. had like a, 
yeah we had like our nice little it was just like our close family and friends were about 20 of us it was oh it was beautiful just on the beach and oh, wow yeah. <laughs> it was perfect and um yeah so um we'd come home for the wedding and we were only home for two months and then we were going back to basically we'd been living in our van for the past what, two or three years at that point mm. and so we had no land and no house or anything like that but our plan was to go back and find something <laughs> well we had Portugal was the last country on our list when we'd traveled around all of Europe mm-hmm. and at that point we'd always assume we'd head back to New Zealand to to you know settle down and then we got to the end of our trip and we're like, well, we're not ready to come home. We know we want to kind of live a lot more sustainably mm-hmm. for how we want to live. We can't really afford to do that in New Zealand, mm-hmm. but we could have, we looked, yeah, we looked into it in Portugal and we're like, well, we can afford to do it here. So yeah, that was, that was it basically. Wow. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> we were coming back here to Portugal to nothing, basically just our Van and our Labrador (laughs) who had been traveling with us (laughs) and yeah so it was about two weeks after our wedding that I found out we'd actually conceived the night before on our wedding night (laughs) wow yeah so we're like oh okay so this is um just I mean yeah it was great it was everything I'd wanted for years Mm -hmm. it was just a year sooner than we expected Mm -hmm. yeah so we we went with it (laughs) it was fine and then I think, yeah, a couple of days after I found out, I decided to join some Facebook groups about um, just to do with home birth. And then then I stumbled onto unassisted birth and I was like, what the hell is this? These women must be crazy. <laughs> and I decided to, but yeah, no, I decided to stay in the groups and try and, you know, give them a chance before writing them off as, you know, nuts. (laughs) And it it didn't take long. I think I was in the groups about a week or two and I was like, yeah, no, they're not crazy at all. They're actually really highly informed and all things related to birth. Mm -hmm. And still at that point, it was, yeah, a home birth for me, but with a midwife. And I Mm -hmm. thought, you know, free birth sounds great. Maybe for my third child, (laughs) not for my first. Um, so here we were in Portugal and I knew, I knew of somebody who'd had a home, well, she had attempted a home birth with a midwife and that ended up transferring. Mm. But that was the only person I knew in terms of like contact details for a midwife. And so I contacted her and that was the first time I found out that it wasn't free. I just assumed it was since <laughs> I come from right. New Zealand. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, oh, you have to pay money. Okay. Well, and I, didn't, I didn't follow it up at that point. Um, it was still, still really early. I think I was only about what, six weeks when we came back to Portugal and we were focused more at that point on looking for land, sure, <laughs> of yeah. course. Yeah. And yeah, trying to get all of that sorted. But, um, also I'm related to that whole, to the whole free birth. I was already starting to do my own sort of self prenatal care, mm-hmm. like, um, just looking up the extra nutritions I, I needed and ex- taking extra vitamins and doing prenatal yoga that sort of thing nice and oh yeah and I'd also looked up you know what what typically happens at prenatal appointments and I was like oh if I just purchase a few extra supplies right and you know I I can pretty much do this myself so that was and that's that's the thing with this you know quote-unquote prenatal care like wouldn't it be wonderful if 
prenatal care with a midwife or, or, you know, God forbid a doctor actually felt like this nourishing, relaxed space with a woman, you know, with a wise woman who's familiar with birth, who, you know, can answer your questions and help you build your confidence. And, you know, I mean, I know some midwives are like that. And, and it's sad that that is not the norm, you know, because that's prenatal care. It, of course, in my mind, it's not tests that you could ultimately do by yourself. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> and yeah, I don't think I said that this this midwife that I've been given the details for was a man. And I know something just didn't you should see right. my face right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's yeah. a hard no for me. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so I, it just didn't sit right with me. And yeah. I was trying to be, you know, open minded to be like, you know, Portugal is quite a traditional country. If this is a male midwife, you know, maybe he's quite, you know, open minded too. So I should, but it, uh-huh. yeah, it still wasn't something I was going straight into and <laughs> I wasn't rushing to get into contact with him. When I was around, 14 weeks we went and had an ultrasound done um it was yeah it was it wasn't it wasn't easy process I thought it was quite simple we book an appointment but Mm -hmm. yeah eventually we got yeah we figured out how to how to do all that because we're navigating the language barrier as well right yeah so neither um, of you speak the language no, even wow. even now we've been here what three years. We we speak. I guess all of our friends are foreigners as well, so we don't have to speak Portuguese. Mm-hmm. We know like some basics, maybe a hundred words all up, but not enough to converse. That doesn't feel like the easiest language either for for uh, someone whose English is their first. Yeah, no, it's um. I think it's a lot more challenging than like Spanish. Yeah. Sure, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I <laughs> yeah. would agree. Okay, so you're in this country where you don't speak the language. You're, yeah. you're trying to find land to buy. You're trying to figure out, you know, who's going to be with you at your impending birth. You go get an yeah. ultrasound. And what was the impetus for the ultrasound? Um, well, I hadn't really heard anything. I, I didn't know that ultrasound wasn't, you know, something that everyone does. Mm-hmm. To me, it was just ticking the boxes. I was like, right, I'm going to take charge of this. Go do mm-hmm. my own ultrasound. Um it was, yeah, yeah. So I, I went in there prepared, you know, I was looking at, oh, what do I have to do in preparation for an ultrasound? And I'd seen something about, um, uh, was it making sure you have a full bladder because it makes it easier for them to see. Uh-huh. So I went in there with this full bladder and, uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't really like the whole, the whole experience. It was, I found them quite rude like at first I assumed that they just didn't speak English because they just kept speaking to each other there were two people in there to each other in uh, Portuguese but then uh, she said something like oh you have a really full bladder I was like yeah <laughs> thinking yeah I'm gonna get some praise for being prepared and she's like yeah you should have done that yeah and then yeah they didn't really speak to us at all unless I like made the effort to make a like you know cut into what they were saying to ask a question and I'd also seen, because I, yeah, I was 14 weeks and I'd seen at that point, they only do external ultrasounds. Mm -hmm. And so I got a real surprise when they just put it straight inside me for an internal ultrasound. I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) That was unexpected. But, um, so yeah, that was the only ultrasound we had. It, to me, it just ticked the boxes of, yes, there's Mm -hmm. just one baby and this is where the placenta is, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, 
So, which of course uh, I need to say to anyone listening, the placenta, you know, position doesn't matter at that, that time because it will change. Right. Oh yeah. 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 For sure. Um, so then how was the rest of that pregnancy and birth? Um, so, uh, where do I go from here? I guess I was, yeah. Tell me kind of like what you wound up deciding for your birth team. Did you find a midwife or what did that look like? Yeah, so I was looking more into free birth and knowing it was definitely something I wanted to do. I was a bit nervous about um, telling my husband. Mm. He, at some point, he, you know, he asked what when we'd be meeting with, with the midwife, and I told him I wanted to do it by ourselves. He he wasn't keen on the idea for our first child, <laughs> um, and from his point of view, he trusted me and he trusted my body and knew I could take care of the baby but he wanted someone there for him, I guess, in case something happened to me. He didn't want the responsibility, I guess, in case, you know, suddenly I like bled out and he was just, I don't know. I don't know what to do. It's funny that so many people think that it, that the first baby, it's like you have to prove to the partner or to the family or to the doctor or to yourself. You have to like prove that you can birth without an emergency to give yourself permission you know, I hear that all the time. It's very, it's an interesting, uh, it's an interesting way of thinking about birth that, that the first one, you know, it's not unique to you guys at all. It's extremely common that, oh, well, we'll just have the first one in the hospital and the second can be at home or the first with a midwife and the second can be freeborn. It's so interesting. This, like we have to prove, but, but it also comes with a true, like, lack of understanding of how unique birth is, right? Because yeah. it could, you know, the first birth could be totally different than the second birth or the third. Um, exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting. Like, yeah, you could have a totally normal, like first birth and then second birth, it doesn't go quite so well, mm-hmm. but you know, it's not like it sets the stage for exactly things to come. Yeah. Um, so, so what do you wind up deciding? Um, so what we decided to do, he, he asked me to, um, to just seriously look around for somebody else, like a midwife or a, even just a doula or just someone for him to call if he felt we needed it. So not someone that, that we'd definitely have, but just in case he was like, oh, I'm feeling out of my depth here. I'm going to mm-hmm. call this person. Well, that makes sense. Um, so, that's, I yeah, mean, yeah, exactly. that, Cause that's what this is about, right? Like ideally we would all be birthing in community where we didn't have to find some random stranger to be able to call. Like ideally, you know, birth would be so normalized out of hospital that of course you'd have a team or a community of people who could be present should you want it or could answer questions. That's yeah, normal. exactly. Yeah. 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 And, and I, I really love like when I'm thinking back on it, just he never ever suggested that we'd go to a hospital or anything like that. It was always going to be a home birth. So I'm, I'm really glad about that. <laughs> um, so yeah, I looked around for more. I found a female midwife who was maybe two hours away, but I couldn't find any contact de- details or testimonials for her. Mm. And then I found, I found something similar to Ina Mae Gaskin's farm. Um, cool. in in Spain, but it was probably maybe an eight hour drive away. And like I was in touch with a midwife there and she was happy to come and stay. But knowing that, um, you know, knowing how the time frame for birth, it could be anything from like 36 or 43 plus. I was like, I don't know if, you know, we also didn't have a setup for her to stay. So mm. it's not like we just had, we were just living in our van. <laughs> we didn't really have anywhere, anywhere for her to stay if she'd come for that. Um, I 
couldn't find any doulas. I found a mother who was wanting to become a doula and she was kind of open to the idea of attending, but um, I think, oh no, yeah, she ended up putting me in touch with somebody else who'd had a free birth. And this person, her husband had been in this exact same position as mine, just wanting somebody to call if they needed it. Sure. And so she, she gave me the details for this midwife, another male midwife. And, um, but he, he was a lot cheaper than the first one I'd heard about. So I thought, okay, well, you know, it's a lot cheaper if we have to call it, call him, then, you know, we're not spending too much. <laughs> we, yeah, we didn't end up using this midwife. I got in touch with him and I really did not like him mm. at all. He was insisting on things like, um, uh, what is it? An ultrasound, uh, you know, at this point I was about 36, 37 weeks and he also had a very high transfer rate. So it's like, okay, guy, you're not, yeah. you're obviously not what I need. Thanks. No. Yeah. Um, so I think, yeah, 37 weeks. And my husband just said to me one day, do you think you can do this all on your own? If I'm not even there? I was like, Oh yeah, for sure. I'd been, you know, envisioning it in my head <laughs> for months. So I knew what I was doing and he was like, okay, fine, let's do it then. And so he was happy for us to free birth. And we just, uh, we'd, I'd mentioned it to our families and they weren't keen on the idea. So we just let them believe we were still going to have a midwife. Um, and then I guess, when was that? I was 38, 38 weeks and six days. Yeah, the day before I was 39 weeks. And I had Braxton Hicks all day and I was just in a really grouchy mood. Um, I was just, uh, I had to keep like going to the toilet and emptying my bowels. It was like a really, it was a rainy day and the toilet was outside and I was just really not happy. And I thought I've still got weeks to go, you know, (laughs) first births typically are maybe around like 41 weeks. I was like, Oh, I have to put up with this for so much longer. And then I think around, uh, later on in the evening around 7 PM, I think I, noticed the contractions where I could actually time them and I thought oh maybe this is actually happening but they were really irregular you know they could be anything from like two to seven minutes apart and really long they could be like 20 seconds or like 70 seconds it was really really different and so I decided to get everything set up and my husband was like oh we're having the baby and I said oh maybe but just in case everything's all set up for us and we went um we went to bed we watched a movie uh and then I think yeah we decided to sleep I was still like timing the contractions but they were irregular and then around 1am I hadn't really slept I dozed for a few seconds and that was about it around 1am I woke my husband and said right I'm getting way too uncomfortable to stay in bed maybe start filling up the pool so I had him fill up the pool it was it wasn't a quick job we thought it would take like an hour or two because we don't have any electricity or running water or anything like that so he um what time of year what time of year was this this was March so it was spring okay it was yeah I'd kind of, we'd had some warm weather, so I'd been hoping that we could birth outside, but it was, it was cold and rainy that day. So we had the birthing pool set up in the awning and, um, yeah, he was just filling up the water in there, boiling on the stove in the caravan and then taking it out into the, into the pool. And it ended up taking about five hours, I think, just to get it warm enough for me to get into. Mm. And 
<laughs> yeah, it didn't end up, ma- uh, yeah, it didn't matter so much that it took so long because I was still just kneeling. I was kneeling on the ground, h- hugging my like Swiss ball, had like a big blanket over me and just, just getting through them. I, I wasn't sure where I was. I was, they were still irregular and I would just keep telling myself, yes, this is hard, but irregular contractions, that just means that it's still early labor. Uh (laughs) So even though like I couldn't stand or talk through them, I keep trying to tell myself it was still early labor and it wasn't until, oh yeah, I got to a point where I was like, this is really hard. I can't do this. Um, maybe we should go to the hospital and then and then I vomited and I was like okay yeah, no cool so this is transition mm-hmm. it's cool <laughs> and then I had a push and I hadn't realized how different contractions and pushing were like this was just like you know vomiting out of my vagina mm-hmm. basically <laughs> and I was like what was that and um and then I, I lost my mucus plug and I was like, oh, okay, great. You know, things are finally happening. Pushing has started. It'll be like an hour, maybe two tops, because, you know, that, that's what I'd read in preparation. And by this time, the pool was warm enough for me to get into. So I got in and, you know, my husband kept, you know, boiling water to maintain the heat. And it was, uh, it was still hours. And I couldn't, I, like I felt in for the baby and there was just, nothing and I keep thinking why is this taking so long at some point I felt something come out and it was but it was the amniotics set and I was like oh okay cool things are slowly happening that's fine Uh, but you know this was exhausting it wasn't painful I didn't mind the pushing like I didn't find it hard I just found it really tiring and so oh when was it I think yeah it was about four and a half hours after the pushing started that I yeah his head was finally you know starting to come out and uh, that, t- that took so long like when I read oh yeah it took me you know two or three pushes and the head was out mm-hmm. it took me maybe an hour from when I first started feeling it to it finally coming out and I yeah I yelled out to my husband you know the head's out and he came and you know, sat down right next to me and and then the body followed like a few seconds later and, and I pulled who, who it was just the two of you yeah it was just the two of us we okay. had our dogs as well and oh, yeah nice. so it was just just us and yeah so I pulled the baby up and I realized I'd pulled it up um I'd wanted to like check for a nuchal cord first and I couldn't get him much much closer to me so I had to get my husband to help unwrap the cord it was around his neck twice and then you know once he'd done that the baby was on my chest and he was you know screaming and we saw that we had a boy oh. and it was oh it was just it was so perfect it was yeah <laughs> and that was yeah that was my first birth I guess yeah the only thing after that was that um the placenta then took a couple of hours to come out how many it was, uh, it was only two and a half. Oh, that's but- Oh, right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, it came out after I went to the toilet and I was like, okay, yeah, no, that's fine. That's no problem. <laughs> and it was all whole and intact. And mm. then I, and I had no tearing or anything like that. It was like, great. Yeah, we did it. It was, it was our first baby and we've done this. Beautiful. And yeah. how did your husband do since he was nervous? How was he during the actual birth? Uh, he was, he was honestly perfect. Like he didn't have any anxiety at all. He mm-hmm. was just like really chilled out 
just filling up the pool and messaging our family back home to keep them updated you know, he never, he, he wasn't panicky at all. And yeah, he, I hope I, it's that, that's what I hear and, and see so often is these men being, um, you know, nervous, understandably that this is not the norm and in, in the way that we were raised. But then when the labor actually drops in, I really think the vast majority of men do know how to, and it's just very natural to just relax into it, you know, and, and to see that this is, um, not the crazy, scary, you know, thing that, that has been painted for them. Um, and so I'm, I'm, it's nice to hear that because I think that's, that's very common that, you know, there's this anxiety leading up to it, kind of feeling like you need to prepare for every horrible thing. And then labor mm-hmm. unfolds normal and naturally, and, and the men are great and they're solid and, and they're wonderful, um, support. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Like I remember he asked if I, Oh, I think he had music on at some point and I asked him to turn it off and he asked if I wanted to, if I wanted him to hold my hand and I didn't, I just didn't want to be touched or hear anything. And and he was so good. Like just, yeah, didn't touch me, just stayed quiet. I I found if he was, if I couldn't see him, I started to panic because I didn't want him to miss anything. Mm. But if he was there, but not looking at me, it would make me a bit nervous if he was staring at me. Mm-hmm. But if he wasn't, if he was just chilled out and I could see him on his phone then I was like, yep, everything's good. Everything is smooth. This is going well. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. So you got yeah. the free birth that you were envisioning. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was yeah exactly what I wanted and it was so perfect. Mm, beautiful. Yeah. I, de- I, I guess when we had scheduled this, I didn't realize that your first birth was a free birth. I thought it was just your second. Oh, right. Yeah. No, it was both of them. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So cool. Okay. So yeah. then, so then, yeah. How was your postpartum and, and then take me into this next pregnancy and how far apart were they? Um, right. So postpartum was, it was pretty good, I suppose. I found breastfeeding really hard. Um, only because it, <laughs> I just listened, yeah, I just listened to your lactation one this morning and it really, I found breastfeeding really painful and, but it was only really painful on one side and I was, you know, messaging with family and friends and uh, on Facebook groups and people were giving me advice like, oh, change, change the way you're holding the baby or mm-hmm. check, um, check the way they're latched on or look for a tie and those sort of things. And none of them seemed to help like changing the latch or the hold, but it was only ever painful for like 10, 15 seconds. And then it would just like slowly dissipate. And after like a minute, it was fine. And it was, it was always the same like that, but it wouldn't be every time. And it faded away after like five weeks on my left side, it was just all gone, that sort of pain. And on my right side, I think it took three weeks. And I was like, oh, well, that was just sort of a strange thing. And it wasn't until I was 14 months postpartum and my cycle returned and I experienced the same pain again. And I realized, oh, it was actually hormones. (laughs) Mm. I was like, oh, so that's why it hurt. And the same sort of thing when I got pregnant the second time. At the, in the first trimester, I guess it hurt a little bit as well mm-hmm. when I was nursing my son. Totally. And I was like, oh, right. So it's the hormones that have caused this. <laughs> exactly. I remember yeah. it was my first pregnancy that that I had my daughter with. And I remember um, 
my nipples in the first trimester, like even if, and I do not have sensitive nipples, which turned out to be great for, for breastfeeding, but even yeah. if, um, in the beginning, if, if the sheet on my bed even grazed my nipples, I would be like, ah, what is that? It was so <laughs> intense. So yeah, I can't imagine breastfeeding while you're going through that. Yeah. Oh, ouch. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. But fortunately it, you know, by the time he, he was a month old, it was all normal and fine and mm-hmm. had no problems after that. Um, and I think the hardest part I actually found postpartum was having people around. Like, I guess a lot of people have come onto your show and talked about how they needed a good support network. Mm-hmm. And like, I love having visitors over and I love, love showing them off. But for me and for my husband as well, it like exhausts us whenever we have company. Mm-hmm. So we, we just really need that sort of space to just be us, I guess, to do what we're doing and get to know the baby and that sort of thing. Um, so I guess the second, yeah, so my cycle returned when he was 14 months postpartum and then um yeah we started trying a couple of months after that and because we'd gotten pregnant like straight away with my son we assumed it would be the same (laughs) the second time around Mm -hmm. and so I was quite surprised that um you know that I didn't get pregnant that first month (laughs) like oh what a surprise Mm um and then it ended up taking us six months but it was, I guess it was kind of good because I had newfound respect for people who, you know, struggle to fall pregnant and, you know, for the ignorant comments that people have experienced in miscarriage or infertility or just don't want to have kids, you know, that they have to put up with. Because I know each month I'll be like, oh no, is there something wrong with me? Or do I have secondary infertility? Or, But yeah, obviously it was fine in the end. <laughs> Got pregnant in that six month. Um, and it was... I found out a week before our 10 year anniversary. So I waited a week before telling my husband and then I gave, I baked like a big cookie and it, it said, um, what does it say? Baby number two on it. And my son gave it to my husband as like a <laughs> wedding anniversary cute. gift. <laughs> yeah. Uh, not wedding anniversary. Um, first date. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cute. Um, so how was so, that pregnancy with, with a toddler? Um, it wasn't, it wasn't so bad. I think the, Yeah, my pregnancies were very similar, pretty easy. Like I never experienced any sickness in either of them. I had, um, I was just hungry. (laughs) Both pregnancies, I was like extra hungry. Um, And I think the hardest part was my nursing aversion. So I like, I really wanted to keep breastfeeding my son. And I still am. He's now, what, two years, eight months old. And we're still going maybe like once every couple of days. But it was, yeah, those last four months of pregnancy were so hard to get through because I just couldn't stand it whenever he latched on. I, and it just made me feel so guilty because he really wanted it. And, yeah, it was tough. <laughs> yeah, to me, that was the hardest part. Totally. Yeah, that's yeah. that's a big thing. I think, yeah, and one of the best parts is probably, like, where we are here in Portugal, we've now made quite a lot of friends, um, all foreigners from, you know, different backgrounds, really diverse ages as well and yeah different countries and everyone is so supportive of free birth like wow. I yeah I have not had to put up with any sort of negativity everyone's like so positive and excited for me and mm. uh, yeah I love that <laughs> like wow, just that's huge yeah. yeah I I experienced that in Maui 
um, and was very grateful for that because I went there when I was super pregnant and everyone I told and everyone I talked to, um, yeah, it was just not a big deal. I got no fear mongering. Um, I got some confusion. Like when I remember one waitress from Brazil asked me, um, when, when I would be induced and I was like, why don't you sit down? Why don't you sit down and, and let me tell you about what's about to happen? <laughs> I shall enlighten you now. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. So, okay. So good to know about Portugal, about the culture there. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, I think it's just more of this like foreigners, like this community we have, everyone's like, you know, really independent thinking sort Mm -hmm. of open to new ideas. And yeah, I really love that. It's like not having to put up with people asking me about like doctor's appointments and things like that. Well, and so much of it too is, I mean, the lifestyle you've chosen attracts those kind of people, right? So like, Mm. you know, you're, you're, you know, hippies living on a farm in a, in a, you know, motorhome in a, in a foreign country. Like, of course the people you're going to attract are um, like-minded in that way versus if you were maybe, you know, like some women who free birth are, you know, still living in the, in the small town they grew up in, in a conservative, you know, part of, of a, you know, let's say the Midwest of America. And it's like, well, of course Ooh. then that's going to be different. But same thing with me, you know, cause I moved around so much. It's like when you move to a new place, and you intentionally create your new community, of course, the people you'll attract are um, totally into it. Yeah. Oh, I love to hear that because we're moving back to New Zealand next year and like to, to live and to like set up this lifestyle in New Zealand. And I've been so not looking forward to leaving the community behind, but uh, you saying that I'm like, oh yeah, we'll probably, you know, be able to fight. You know, create of course you will. Yeah. Absolutely. And you, it's just your energy field. Like you are going to attract, obviously you're not going to become friends with someone who's like, Oh my God, you did what? Your baby <laughs> could have died. Blah, blah, blah. Like that's just not, then you're gonna be like, cool. We're not going to probably hang out again. Right. Like yeah, yeah. <laughs> it sucks making friends as adults because it takes so much effort and, you know, moving to a new place and building community of course is a lot of effort, but at the same time, it does give this freedom of newness and that you do get to filter through um, because you don't have the history, right? Like if someone's lived in the same place for so long, there's history and, and family roots there in a way that, um, you know, is different. You kind of have to take, take the whole thing versus, you know, moving and restarting. Yeah. You absolutely mm-hmm. will, will attract the right people. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. It's nice to know that we'll be able to find something else, I suppose. So yeah, take, take me to, uh, take me to this, this little one's birth, which at the time of this recording was just shy of six weeks ago. Yeah. So, um, when I had my son at 39 weeks and I had been expecting that I would have the second baby at around the same point, possibly sooner. So I'd been so prepared for this baby from like 37 weeks and she came around 41 weeks. (laughs) I was just so surprised that, well, why, why could I be wrong? You know, I just, I just thought she'd be coming (laughs) earlier, (laughs) but but yeah, it was fine. It was, um, I had so many Braxton Hicks um, regularly, but I think from about 34 weeks, it would, yeah, I'd have like a handful a day and I just got so used to just ignoring them. Mm -hmm. I guess, yeah, just before 41 weeks, I was just like, uh, I was just out doing, I think I was doing the dishes or the laundry or something. I was like, hey, I think I've had a few Braxton Hicks, like just quite close together in the last you know a little while maybe I'll start timing them this is at like six o'clock at night I was about to start cooking dinner um my husband was outside playing with our son and then yeah it took about half an hour while I was cooking dinner to be like 
yeah these are pretty regular these are like mm. spot on <laughs> every five minutes um yeah I'm gonna go uh let my husband know <laughs> so I he he started getting the pool ready like um he'd already pumped it up but just to pump it up a bit more and sit at a place outside you know got some fairy lights and hmm. my son and I had some dinner and then we danced together and played with Aww. his cars and yeah it was really it was really quite quite magical I suppose mm-hmm. um, it had been like a really cold windy day but then the wind had just like died down so it was still cold but like still fine to be outside and then I think around eight o'clock um my son asked to go to bed so I, I nursed him to sleep and I was just like holding him going, this will be the last time I yeah. know only child. Oh, <laughs> did you cry? No, I sort of like taking a photo, but it was dark and I didn't want to yeah. put the flash on and wake him up. And <laughs> yeah. um, So I came out and my husband set up um, like a movie for us to watch just outside in that morning, right, right in front of the pool where I was going to have the baby. And I was, I was um, walking around, um, yeah, just walking through the contractions. They were just steadily getting stronger and stronger. And I couldn't, I couldn't never tell with the second birth when I went from like early labor to active labor. It wasn't like distinct. It just like was a gradual sort of steady, steady strengthening, I suppose. And then around nine o'clock, I, I walked away from the movie to like have a contraction and then like my water just broke and like splashed all over the ground. And I was like, Oh, okay. I looked at my husband and we both laughed. Like that was weird. <laughs> what a strange sensation. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause I'd never had that with my son and it was like, Oh, okay. And he gave me like a towel to dry myself off, but then it kept like trickling down. I was like, well, this is quite useless. I'll just, <laughs> I'll just leave it like it is. Um, he had like a fire going, so I was just standing next to the fire to keep warm. And I asked him to start filling up the pool now. And so I just kept watching the movie and standing next to the fire. And and then I was yeah walking away and like staring up at the stars during each contraction. And it um, I was yeah I was starting to like imagine. I'd heard people on your podcast, I think, talk about how they just envision themselves like opening up to let the baby out. So I was, I was doing that during the contractions and also telling myself I can do anything for 60 seconds. Mm-hmm. And it was, uh, yeah, it really helped. I don't think any of my contractions were longer than maybe 45 seconds. It was, right. yeah. So it was, it was bearable. And I kept, I kept really wanting transition. I was like, I just want to get to transition. <laughs> I want to reach that point where I want to give up. Cause then yeah, I know you and every woman in labor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was like, is it hard enough yet? Well, it's hard, but I don't think it's too hard. Okay. And then I reached a point, I think, where I couldn't really walk through them anymore. I was just like kneeling on the ground during them. And I was like, oh, this is, you know, I don't want to keep walking my husband asked if I wanted something to lean on I was like no I'm getting in the pool now I think it was around 10 30 and I can't remember if it was just before I got in the pool or just after but I remember I was kneeling down and um I felt like a strange movement and I was like oh what was what was that like at first I thought oh the baby's changed positions Mm -hmm. but I thought no 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 it hasn't because um it wasn't a significant movement. And then I forgot about it. So I was in the pool. Oh, I forgot to say that I had noticed meconium leaking around, I think it was around 9.30, about half an hour after my water broke. Because I checked it right after and it, everything was all clear. 
And then I checked again around 9.30 and it was, yeah, it was dark. And I was like, oh, okay, that's, that's fresh. Um, I went and grabbed my feedoscope to check the heart rate and I was, you know, listening, listening really carefully and it was still strong and steady. I was like, okay, cool. Yeah, no, the baby's not in distress. We're all good. And um, so then I got into the pool and it was just, oh, it felt so good. I like, I think I fell asleep. It felt so amazing. It was like 10 minutes at least, I think, of just nothing, like no contractions or anything. And oh, it was so relaxing. Hmm. And then they started up again so much stronger. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, so that was giving me a break before uh -huh. it got. And I was like, oh, Smart. this is really hard. I don't want to do this. And I was like, ah, okay, yes, I've reached, I've reached transition. <laughs> I don't want to do this anymore. And I think I had another two or three and it was a weird sensation. Like it was like a contraction and a push at the same time. And I was like, what is this? You know, what's happening? What, you know, what, what phase am I at right now? And then I felt down and I could feel, I could feel something and it felt soft. And I thought, oh, this kind of feels like the amniotics that did with my first son, but that burst. So it can't be that. Mm -hmm. And then it just kind of, like bulged out a bit more and I was like okay is this is this part of my own body am I swelling up and but, but nothing felt wrong or it didn't feel painful it's like well I don't think it's that um it doesn't feel like a head it's like quite soft but yeah I decided I, I just like kind of ignored it and kept mm -hmm. going and I was like what right well, you I can't, do, really exactly I was like I can't do anything I'm just gonna go with it <laughs> and then I felt it come out and I yelled out to my, I was about to yell out to my husband, the head's out. And then I reached down and was like, you know, this is definitely not a head. And I was just, I could not figure out what it was. And like a second later, like legs and arms came out too. And I was like, oh, wow, it's breach. Okay. When, when did that happen? Like I checked, <laughs> I checked the baby's position and it wasn't, it was head down. So what? <laughs> Sneaky little, little baby. I know. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I was, I was in total shock, but not, so you had been feeling the little butt? I'd been feeling the bum. Like I'd even wondered, is the head inside there somewhere? <laughs> but wow. um, yeah, it was, yeah, it was like, I wasn't panicked or anything. Somebody sure. asked me later, they're like, oh, but you must've, you know, started to freak out. So I was like, no, I guess it was, you get into that mode where you're like fight or flight. You've got to, mm -hmm. you know, there's no sort of time well, to panic. And it, exactly. And it's, and it's, but I would actually maybe even say it's not fight or flight. It's like deep, deep presence. You know, it's, it's deep maternal mm. instinct where, you know, you're just in it. And, and also I will add that surprise breaches are chill because they're surprised. So by the time, <laughs> yeah. you know, for most stories that I hear, by the time you realize it's breach, it's at emergence. So you know, what are you going to do? It does. It actually doesn't make any logical sense to panic, right? You have to birth your baby. You have work to do. Yeah. So, yeah. so yeah. the arms is to walk me through the actual emergence. Um, yeah. So I'm there. I can feel like the legs and the arms and, uh, I knew straight away that the baby was going to come out quickly. Like I'd already told my husband, this is going to be a faster labor. I can just feel it. Everything's moving, progressing mm -hmm. faster. And then, you know, that time in the pool, I'd only been in the pool less than half an hour and I could just feel, you know, everything's just going so fast. So I just knew that the baby was going to come out and I, I thought of telling my husband, but I didn't want to panic him. 
because I also did not want to go into depth to explain it to him because I was, you know, I had a baby half out of me <laughs> and I, yeah, so I just wanted to focus. I was like, right, I've just got to let go of any sort of fear of tearing, allow my body to just like get this head out quickly. And I just naturally sort of like went in the pool like I went into the center of the pool, like in an upright position, kind of like, I guess, in a half squat, half kneel. I had my hand just like tentatively, I guess, pressed up against the bum. And my other hand was feeling for where the head was. And then the next push, the head came out like literally all in one go. It was like, oh my gosh, I did not expect that all to come out in one go. And yeah, I just yelled out to my husband, it's out. <laughs> he like, yeah, he had not expected that. He was sitting just, you know, a meter or two away in front of the fire and like jumped up. So oh, he was so excited. He like grabbed his phone and came over and we Aww. checked the baby and we did like the, um, uh, what's it called? Where you test the, yeah, we yeah, did the APGAR test and uh-huh. everything was all good. And like, yeah, so we wait, got, you we, mean you, you guys just did your own APGAR test? Yeah, yeah. Just, I mean, by essentially assessing the baby or did you have like a little scorecard or what did that look like? Um, he had like a piece of paper and a pencil and mm-hmm. he was like, okay, how's, oh, I can't remember what they are. How's yeah, the gotcha. How's the, yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. So, yeah, <laughs> ticked it all off. Oh, I forgot to say, yeah, because there'd been meconium, I'd been telling myself, right, just in case the baby, you know, it inhales it I, I wasn't worried about it at all since the baby was born in the water but I just wanted to make sure there was none on its face and with my son since he'd had the cord around his neck I wanted to check for that before I brought the baby to the surface uh-huh. so I like you know I turned the baby over with its back up and you know there was no there was no nuchal cord and um you know I had its back up like so just in case there was any meconium around its face it would drip down into the water rather uh-huh. than rather than into its mouth, I guess, but there was nothing. And as soon as it was out of the water, it was screaming. And my husband was asking me, what, um, what is it? What is it? <laughs> and I, I asked him to go and get our son. And so he woke up our son so we could all see together and saw that it was a little girl. And oh, it was yeah. crazy. And, so yeah. she flipped towards the end of the labor. It sounds like. Yeah. So I guess it was like at that point where I said I could feel the sensation, like the baby had changed positions. Mm, so exactly. Yeah. I'd say it was in that last half an hour. That's but, awesome. Um, I, yeah, I've been thinking about it and like with my son, he hardly ever changed positions like right throughout. He was just like, right, same position all through pregnancy. With my daughter, she changed quite a bit. She'd often go like posterior, transverse, back down, head down, anterior. And then with her coming up breach, I wondered if it had something to do with like where my placenta was. I don't know exactly where it was. Mm-hmm. I just know it was obviously in a good place. But um, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I wondered if that was, you know, making her uncomfortable or, you know, stopping her from coming out. Well, definitely. Yeah. They have wisdom that we will never understand yeah. <laughs> they work in mysterious ways. So then how was the birth of your placenta and, and your immediate postpartum? Did she come out vigorous and crying or did she, was she a slower to start? What, what was that like? Um, oh, she cried so much. <laughs> <laughs> like my son, he'd like just cried when he was first born and then he was like really chilled and she was just crying and crying unless she was latched on. She just wanted to nurse. I was like, okay, this is fine. As long as she's nursing. Um, we'd, with my son, we'd burnt the cord 
Um, and with my daughter, we were going to, going to do the same thing. But um, yeah, with her screaming, it was, and I, once I got out of the pool and was all wrapped up in towels and blankets, it was just, we couldn't find like a clear piece of the umbilical cord. I was like, no, we'll just cut it. So we cut it and my husband held her so I could go to the toilet and I expected the placenta to come out like it had the first time, but it didn't. <laughs> and it took, and it ended up taking five hours. Mm-hmm. And it was like, I, we went to bed and so I was like snuggled up. I had like my toddler on one side and the baby on the other. I was like, I don't want to go to sleep until I've like birthed the placenta. Like I just didn't feel comfortable. and. I had like the baby you just wanted to keep nursing and I had like my toddler who I'd get like one of them quiet and the other one would like wake up and I, I just wish like looking back I think that was like my only regret that was that I wish I'd stayed up until the placenta was until I birthed the placenta just mm-hmm. to make myself more relaxed because I realized it's because I keep going out I think I went in uh, maybe like three or four times to empty my bladder and I was like no I've always got a like a crying baby or toddler in the background so I need to I need to be fully relaxed so I need to quieten them before I can get this out and then once I did once they were both asleep it was yeah I got it out and it was all fine and yeah after the, yeah that was it <laughs> beautiful mm. wow those are some badass stories uh, yeah I, I just yeah I really like you know, I've had both births have been like in optimal conditions. Like I've never experienced anything else. And I'm like, birth is hard. Like I couldn't imagine having to do that with like somebody telling me what to do or trying to touch me or like having lights on or noise or Oh, having to go yeah. in a car or uh, <laughs> I know and that, that's what friends. we always yeah that's what we always say and think about is any woman who is able to have a vaginal birth you know, in captivity is amazing. I mean, Mm -hmm. what an extraordinary testament to the power of women and the power of our bodies and the strength of, you know, of, of physiological birth, you know, with all conditions trying to combat that essentially. It's really, that's what I always say to women who have you know, who, who, who want to birth out of the hospital, but they're first or, or however many births happen in the hospital. It's like, you, you're going to be better at it than anybody else because you've already done it under essentially like in a battle, you know, yes, yeah. so now you're going to get to do it like your stories where it's just totally mother led and, you know, in your own flow and in your own home and, and with just the people who know you intimately, like that's, you've got this in the bag. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. How beautiful. Yeah. I love it. And that was a, such a nice surprise to not realize your first was a free birth. That's awesome. <laughs> okay. no, yeah. I'm really glad you didn't have a male midwife there. <laughs> I know. I know. And like, now that we've done it, like my husband and I were both like, it would just be so strange to have another person there, even right. if they were just sitting in like the corner and mm-hmm. like leaving us alone, it would just tra- change the dynamics. Like we've got like our relationship as husband and wife that, you know, this is such an intimate sort of thing and to have anyone else there, it would just, it would just, yeah, be strange. I mean, it's like hiring someone to sit in the corner while you have sex. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Like obviously, you know, culture says that this is so dangerous and that you need all this assistance. And so I think that's a stretch for many people, but you, you know what I mean? Yeah. (laughs) It's such intimate energy and it it is sexual energy and it it does, it does feel strange to have uh, strangers there. Yes. Yeah. And like, see, cause we'll be going back to New Zealand next year and 
midwives are free there. And we, we hope to have like maybe two more children, but I still want to free birth. I don't like, I don't particularly want a midwife there, even though they are free. It was Well, and you know, yeah. I would, I would argue that maybe they are monetarily free, but there is a huge cost to them because you are, you are accepting a free service that comes with a tremendous amount of limitation. You know? yes. So what's the point? I mean, unless you want to play that game. Yeah. Like, cause the, yeah, just the, what is it that confined I guess to liability issues and things like that yeah. like I, I always think of like with my first like so many people have said to me oh you're lucky you have easy births or you know you're lucky everything you know went really smoothly I'm like well my both of my births would have been considered like complications like the mm-hmm. first one four and a half hours of pushing no one's going to let you do mm-hmm. that and the and, placenta and the yeah the placenta for both of them and I think for the first one also like having irregular contractions right through. I, I know people are usually, their labors are augmented to mm-hmm. when that happens. And then the second one, the meconium and then the breech pre- presentation, I'm like, totally. no, they would have been I mean, considered complications. Right. And, and the luck thing is so annoying because I mean, you have to actually subscribe to the concept of luck, first of all, which I don't know if I do, but also then that's like saying you're lucky that you didn't get hit by a car when you went to the grocery store. You're lucky that <laughs> when you got out of bed, you didn't, you know, um, pull a, pull a muscle. You're lucky that you didn't choke when you ate your dinner. Like, come on, you know, like we're not yeah. doing that to every other potential, you know, thing. It's, it's just so speaks to the, the way that we've pathologized birth, that when a birth goes well, you're lucky. Whereas the truth is birth is literally meant to go well. It wouldn't make any sense that, you know, we have, you know, how many billions of years of, um, you know, wisdom in our DNA and in our cells. Uh, it, it actually, you know, it actually really is a, a way to deplatform your story and to take away um, from the truth of your births, which is that, um, I wouldn't say you're lucky. I would say that you created an environment for the mammalian birth sequence to unfold as it is intended to, which is yeah. for your baby to survive, for you to survive in an optimal setting. And you did that, you know, and, and yes, not all babies, um, you know, do survive in, in all mammalian species. And that's horribly Ooh. tragic, of course, but, but it, the truth remains that it is meant to uh, function and work, and and it does in the vast majority of births. Oh, absolutely! Like the yeah, to me, it's just doing every like the physiological process, like not messing with it, keeping everything mm-hmm. undisturbed, that sort of thing. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I'm excited to share this and uh, yeah, just totally badass stories. I, I love it. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah. I was really happy to be on here. That's it for today, everyone. Join us next week for another episode of the Free Birth Podcast. Thanks for joining us. And remember your body, your choice. Lots of love.